for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast on a Monday night. What's poppin' edition? We got, as always, my man in the chair, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. And I'm your other co-host, Cam. What's going on, Kirk? What's going on, man? Oh, you know, not much. Just uh, hanging around in a giant sea of popcorn tonight <laughs> if you're watching on the stream or the YouTube video later you know i just got this beautiful green screen that you cannot see from my beautiful wife and it's it's clean action it's clean right yeah so i played with one a couple months ago and i looked absolutely ridiculous i always hate when people like i don't know why it's a pet peeve of mine and it shouldn't be like I, i work remote and and i'm on i'm on digital meetings all day and i don't know why it bothers me but like the really crappy virtual backgrounds just it just bothers me i'm like i i get it like i can see why you would want to use that i'm always taking my meetings from my office some people don't have that sort of setup available but like i would rather look at a blank white wall or like somebody's kitchen or like somebody's dirty house than somebody's like face head getting disappeared like chopping off <laughs> pixelate like i don't know why i just really i find that really distracting maybe i'm just a jerk but it just it is like one of the weirdest things to me that it just really bothers me yeah there's a couple of settings when you're first setting it up where it can make it super clean like how i have it it was like obviously yeah. that's the desired look or you can make it look like inverted where you look like like a, like I could honestly look like gore if I played this enough, <laughs> uh, like the wrong opacity, uh, yeah. and it would be crazy. So I totally feel how that would be distracting in a work from home environment. And, you know, I won't do that right now, but maybe, maybe, You're green, but play. with the actual green screen behind you, it's ultra clean. It's like right? ultra clean. I mean, that's why they use green screens and blue screens is because like it pops. And so it knows what to cut out, but I'm, I'm just surprised that like, the built-in StreamYard function can actually cut it out as well as it as well as it does. It's, it's pretty impressive. cool. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sneak into your house one day. <laughs> I'm going to oh, take a picture <laughs> of your exact <laughs> setup, and I'm just going to pop on it's screen. It's going to look time. like we're in the same same place. <laughs> oh, perfect! I love it. I love it. I like it. Well, it's a it's a welcome addition, Kirk. I'll, I'm going to be expecting every week for you to be like somewhere else. You're going to be like, and now I'm on Mustafar, and now <laughs> I'm on uh, that first planet that Ryan Gosling visits in uh, Blade Runner 2049. Actually, I don't think it's a planet. I think he's on Earth, but you yep, know, like that one. Yep, on mm-hmm. location underwater in the Avatar world. Like, there's <gasps> the possibilities are endless, Kirk. I mean, really, like it, it, we could get we could go far with it. So I'm I'm excited. I'm- very excited. Yes. Well, I'm also excited to be here to talk about movie news. We did miss a week um, to make room for Thor Love and Thunder because we wanted to make sure that we could see that and get the review out as soon as possible. So if you're tuning in and you're like, what? Thor Love and Thunder, why aren't we talking about that? That's the big movie in theaters. We already reviewed it. So go back and check your podcast, check your YouTube if you're if you're somebody who watches on YouTube and find it it is a spoiler free review so we were able to go see it early so that we could provide spoiler free comments um i think we will get deeper into it later um and talk about some spoiler full stuff because there's going to be a lot of marvel news coming out very soon like i mean there's always a lot of marvel news as will be evidenced by this episode but there will be even more very soon because comic-con is coming up um but make sure you catch up on that and then tonight 
we're just going to kick it old school what's popping. We're going to get into the movie news. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. But first, Kirk, I have to start on a downer that we lost <sighs> another Hollywood legend, which has been, this has been brutal lately um, with the people that we're losing, especially, oddly, someone on Twitter pointed out what a rough couple of weeks it's been for the the mafia movie genre as James Kahn passed away this past week at, at age 82, um, yes. which is a bummer. And then we also lost, um, oh, help me out, Kirk. I'm blanking. Uh, from the we Sopranos. Polly Walnuts, yeah. Um, from the Sopranos. And, and that was, you know, preceded that was Ray Liotta. So, I mean, it really has been a rough go. But James Kahn is such an interesting case. Of course, played Sonny in The Godfather. I think one of his most iconic roles you know look how they massacred my boy that line uh, mm-hmm. always sticks out he was referencing Sonny in that line but you know had a really wide breadth of good films including Thief which was directed by Michael Mann who's you know a great director and then all the way up to Elf which is a really fun performance he had a, he had a diverse uh, filmography and really gave it his all but had to uh, tragically say goodbye to James Kahn at uh, at 82 years old. Kirk, what was your reaction when you heard the news? Devastated. Devastated. Yeah. I think I was texting you something completely ridiculous yes. and silly. That's right. And and you immediately responded with, hey, uh, James Kahn just died. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Like, really, really? I think I was W-U-T in all caps. Yes. So, I'm absolutely devastated. Um, such a treasure. Again, we're losing some cinematic giants yes. right now, and it's, it's a really tough. hard time. I mean, this is what I imagine like our parents went through, right? Like when they were growing up where they're realizing, oh, no, life is not invincible. Yeah. These immortal people that have been on screen and I grew up with and shaped my uh, my film likings and even your life, maybe, right? We learn things from movies. Um, it's really unsettling. It's really unsettling. Yeah, and it's like, this is depressing, but like as you get older, you feel closer and closer to the celebrities who are dying because chances mm-hmm. are you've seen more of their work. So like James Caan, I feel like I've seen so many of his performances. Like I, I watched Misery way too young, <laughs> scarred yep. me for life, but I always thought, remember thinking he was excellent in that film and, and, and it's, it's a testament to like somebody who totally understands their role in the movie. You know, it's like he, it's, it's a very subversive kind of plot line. Whenever you think of traditional horror that Stephen King has, has created with misery, but it's such a chilling story, but it only works if James Caan is doing what he is doing. And you look at something like elf is a great example, like playing the straight man and, and flexing that comedy, uh, genius because being the straight man is actually a comedic role people don't think about it that way but you in in many ways have to have better comedic timing than your counterpart because they're saying things that are inherently funny whereas you have to react in a way that will be funny to the audience so the dude was just a talent uh, i think i already mentioned thief rollerball um so so many good roles and and just like a person who didn't shy away from roles at all and had some awesome interviews back in the day. If you go back and listen to sound bites from James Conn, just a really, really cool guy. And uh, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Gone too soon. Yep. And now his, his son 
uh, whose name escapes me, is in the acting world. He's in Hollywood. He's been in a couple uh, of movies as well. And so it's exciting to see his legacy live on in that in that sense that his son has decided I'm going to do it. He's been doing it for, for several years. So uh, be interested in, in what, what becomes of him in the future. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to watch that continue right so and see the similarities and see the differences but james khan absolute legend it's a it's a sad sad week sad week yeah it definitely is and then obviously you know tony sirico who we mentioned earlier who is most well known for his role as paulie walnuts in the sopranos which is just an all-time great character the one thing that you know the the homage that people were paying to tony over the weekend, whenever the news kind of came out and, and people were sharing screenshots of the Sopranos with, with his delivery, like so many iconic lines and just such an amazing role player <laughs> in that show. And somebody who makes you laugh and just he embodies so much of like what makes the mob movie genre so great or mob TV show. And the Sopranos is such an iconic show. I mean, really glad that he was able to turn in a performance for the ages. I mean, I think it's like 70 plus episodes that he was in, that role um but obviously devastating and like you said just too many too many giants of of the screen that we're losing this year and i don't know it's it's tough pill to swallow but as i always say with these things you have the art you have the art you have the living legacy of the art that you can go back and watch and thanks even now everything's digitized like you have hbo max you have all the episodes of the sopranos like you probably have a, a decent number of James Conn movies too. So yeah. it's good that you can go back and kind of go down memory lane, but never, never easy to lose uh, performers who hold a special place in your heart. So, and that's why, you know, we're on almost our 200th episode and you we have are. right now, 199 ways to view us. Uh, we are <laughs> <It's> immortalized <morbid. laughs> uh, in our, in our speech and in not probably not 200 videos, but getting close. But I just want to, I just want to plug that to say, sometimes that we'll I wish we be weren't here. because not, you know, it's, it's like anything. Mm. Like if you're a comedian, like not every show is a good, is a good show. It's the same with podcasting. Like we have some stinkers and those live forever yeah. on the internet, but Right. And someone will let us know like, Hey, episode 47 was one of the dumbest things I've ever listened to. You said to. that Millie Bobby Brown had a, had a great British accent because you failed <laughs> to realize that she's actually British. Like, yeah, it will, uh, that will happen. And you just and then the pale blonde it. guy did the same thing with Christian Bale <laughs> loser. <laughs> no, we caught that one though. We caught that one in, in the love and thunder review. So hold on. We caught that. We were, we the were on top of it. Still occurred. It still occurred. It was 1am Kirk. I mean, what are we, what are we supposed to do? You can't be perfect. Well, I appreciate that. It was very late. <laughs> it was Yours really we did late. At nine o'clock in the morning. I don't understand how you <laughs> made that mistake. I am a jet engine, Kirk. I just, <laughs> I just go. All right, here we go. Can we, can we pop it up, Kirk? Can we get into the movie news now? Well, uh, considering there's popcorn surrounding me at this moment, we you've, absolutely can pop. You've it up. already popped it up. I'm ready. I've never once podcasted with popcorn. And we, you know, our name is Popcorn for Breakfast. It feels it feels wrong, but I digress. Let's let's dive into this week's news. There are some interesting stories, really interesting stories, actually. The first one is this. I mean, the biggest game on the block right now is Stranger Things. I don't think that's any secret. It's still it still is, you know, 
gobbling up all of the social media time. It's got your, if you're on TikTok, you probably hear the Chrissy Wake Up Shmo Yoho song a thousand yes. times a day. Everybody has seen Joseph Quinn everything for the past few, uh, I mean, these last two weeks since part two came out, it's been absolutely nonstop. Like him doing the guitar solo for Master of Puppets and all of these different things. Um, so Stranger Things is definitely still the flavor of the day. Well, Kirk, what happens when you have a massive show that's an original concept, does huge numbers? What happens to the people who create that show? They make millions of dollars and they ride off into the sunset never to be heard again. <laughs> no, wrong. No. They make millions okay. of dollars, but then what do they do? What what comes? Spinoffs. Think, oh, spinoffs happen, right. Kirk. The spinoffs. There's always spinoffs for better or worse. I would say usually worse. I mean, Better Call Saul maybe is is one of the only exceptions. Like, let's let's think about recent history with television spinoffs. Like, remains to be seen with Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, failure, bad, 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 and that and they had a bunch of them. Um, you know, Better Call Saul is a good example. That is a good spinoff. But like, other than that, recently, it's just not a great model. But they are working on a Stranger Things spinoff. We've known about this for a while. They've spun up, the Duffer Brothers have spun up a production company with Netflix under their contract called Upside Down Pictures. And they are working on a number of things, including um, a Death Note live action adaptation, which Death Note is, is manga anime, um, mm -hmm. which I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but I will just say that I am vehemently opposed to adapting anime into live action because it just doesn't make sense. Like, anime is the most exaggerated form yeah. of animation and so adapting it to live action seems just like inherently wrong and stupid but i'll just kind of tried it right so they many tried, times didn't, didn't so many times kirk most notably scarlet scarjo right with um ghost in the shell uh, yeah bad well that was bad mad. because of the whitewashing and then also mm -hmm. the movie was bad but they've done it with a number of things like they've done it with Cowboy Bebop, they've done it with yes. all kinds of things. Netflix has been diving into it, and I'm just like, can we please stop? Can we please yeah. just stop? I mean, anime and manga, let's keep going. They have their own streaming platform as well, don't they? Yeah, there's Crunchyroll, and there's, Crunchyroll. And there's yeah. Funimation, and the people who are fans of this stuff like the original content. So I don't really know what we're trying to do here. Are we trying to capture a broader audience? Because what you what they've typically done with all of this is just alienate the original audience and not <laughs> capture any new audience and then everybody hates their show so i don't really yeah. i don't get it but all power to the duffer brothers i hope they do a great job with the death note i just i don't like that one um they're working on a couple of other projects but the one big one that everybody's going to have eyes on is the stranger things spinoff series so to recap Next season, season five, which they haven't even started filming yet. They don't think it's going to start filming till next year, which probably puts it coming out in 2024. Would you say that's probably accurate, Kirk? I mean, I don't think we're getting it next year. That is correct. They have not started writing. They're starting, they're writing in season five. <laughs> okay, we, we, <laughs> For reals. we might be, <laughs> 2024 might be um, cutting it close, actually. If, if yeah, that's they said they're going to start writing. I'm sure they have ideas and like roadmaps and pictures and whatnot, storyboards, but they've not started officially writing it 
they said they're going to take a month off and oh, then they're going to begin writing. Okay. So I think by 2029, we yeah, may we'll have see it. this <laughs> come to fruition. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. That's, that's good insight. But whenever that comes out, 2024, 2029, whatever, it is the final season. Season five is the final season of Stranger Things. That has been said. The Duffer Brothers wrote it out. It's done deal. There will not be a continuation beyond that. Um, so after that will come this Stranger Things spinoff. And the Duffer Brothers have been very tight-lipped about it, probably because they haven't even written the dang thing, as they haven't even mm-hmm. written season five. But the one thing they are saying is that it's going to be very different from what's going on here. So it's going to be, you know, the truest form of a spinoff, meaning that there will not be like this group of people will not be involved in it. So that either means that we've got some sort of significant time jump, we're in a different location in the world, or there's some totally different entity that is somehow related to the entities that we've come to know and love, but different. Kirk, how do you, like, is there a way that this works and what are you wanting from a Stranger Things spinoff, if anything? Yeah. Very different from, like, so Star Wars, I'm the guy who's always saying, link it back to the Skywalker saga. So many people are like, no, get away from it. Yeah. Stay true to it. Um, This one, I feel, has the opportunity to completely go that route, to just be, to disband all of the characters that we've known and love and give us a whole new set, a whole new situation, a whole new, like you said, evil deity coming at us and see what happens with that. I I don't want any sprinkle of the original cast, except if somehow they look for an expert and Gaten comes in and he's like, hey guys, I've done this before, like for like an episode, right? Like otherwise, I want a complete separation uh, for this spinoff. Yeah, and are you thinking like, so here's what I'm having trouble wrapping my head around. So in our Stranger Things realm, and this could change in season five, right? We've got Hawkins, and I feel like now, you know, minor spoilers for season four, I guess I'll say that. We sort of know why Hawkins was the epicenter of this whole thing, how the Upside Down was created, why all of this is happening, why it happens to be Hawkins-centric, etc. We sort of know that now. But then there's this Russia thing, which seems to be nothing more than just like rival foreign government trying to get in on the action with the stuff that the u.s was investigating and so they ended up you know understanding the demogorgon and some of these entities and being able to harness that power so like if i'm remembering correctly in this most recent season in russia they just had the creatures they didn't have like a portal to the upside down there did they Correct. No portals. Yeah. So like the only gates, gateways to the upside down that we know of are in Hawkins. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they either have to explain how there would be gates or gateways elsewhere, or it has to take place in Hawkins with a time jump. It chapter two style with like different kids who are you know seriously like it like they're reading back through the history of the town and they're like oh my gosh there was a mall fire that killed all these people and oh my gosh Mm -hmm. there was an earthquake that happened and like how maybe these things are related like that's the way that i envision it because i don't know how they like right now where we're at i don't know how they leave hawkins 
Yeah, unless when they supposedly close all these gates, right? Let's assume that that's probably the victory that's coming in season five. Yeah. And in closing one, it rips a hole on the other side of the earth mm. uh, open because the blast is so powerful or whatever. Or uh, that would be the only thing. Another gate would open in another, another area, but it would have access to a different realm of something else stewing that has been stewing for thousands of years, right? right? So that I could see that happening. Yeah, I think they have to be careful with it though. Like I feel like there is a risk of cheapening the original series if you make yes. it like, oh, you know, we time jump forward and it's like the same kind of stuff is happening again. And it's like everything that happened through those five seasons was all for naught because again, we're dealing with the same things right. in the future with totally different people, but you know, the same sort of thing. So we'll see. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, I think it was Tim commented in, on our Facebook, as long as it has nothing to do with those kids 11 met in Chicago in that one episode or like <laughs> Pittsburgh right. or whatever it was. Um, um, oh, he man. said it was going to be like a hard pass and I could not agree with that more like dude the that was the worst of, the beginning of that episode was like this is incredible there's so many more of them we're going to explore them yes. we're going to see where they're at in life and what a huge <laughs> letdown literally the worst episode of the entire series I don't care how bad an episode <laughs> might be in season 5 it will not be as bad as that the idea of it was so good and they in a way they retconned the kids uh, it, yeah they kind of because did. <laughs> because you know they're all they're all dead and b that the fact that they are uh they were back and they were cool and they were using their powers right so i'm interested very interested to see if that is the path they go and they make it better maybe like another another school uh, or prison rather of mk ultra if you will yeah. uh, enhanced individuals that might be another option yeah it could be it could be well Whatever they go, I wish them the best of luck. I have really enjoyed Stranger Things. I think it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think that the Duffer Brothers do great things and that like the show, even in its down seasons, is its own thing. And it's it's iconic and it's it's got all of the right elements. And they're really detailed in their approach in terms of like set design and all of those things. Like they do it the right way. So I think right. it's, it's, a, it's one of those hit shows that has earned it. Whereas like there are a lot of hit shows that haven't earned it, but have just have been marketed really well. This one is one that has really earned it. So I wish I do wish the Duffer Brothers the best because I think that they're they're on to something for sure. All right, let's move on to the next one. I want to talk about an interesting story before we move into Marvel. Top Gun, and you're probably thinking Top Gun again. What could there possibly be related to Top Gun that we haven't already talked about in the the Maverick review, the mini episodes that followed. It's the movie of the summer, yada, yada, yada. But Miles Teller was talking to Entertainment Tonight and said that he has had conversations with Tom Cruise about Top Gun 3. They have had the conversations, but according to Miles Teller, it's, quote, all up to Tom, which I think hmm. is obvious, but... The fact that these conversations are being had, you know, who's initiating the conversations? Is it Jerry Bruckheimer? <laughs> Is it, you know, Paramount? Obviously, Paramount probably wants more. They're like dollars. I mean, it just made a billion dollars at the global box office. That's insane. Right. Um, Paramount does, hasn't had a hit like that recently. And this is IP that they just unearthed after 36 years. Like, I'm sure they want a new one. But do you think 
that Tom Cruise wants another Top Gun? Do you think that they should do another Top Gun? Do you think it could work or is it too risky? I think it's too risky. I think Tom Cruise is such a smart, seasoned veteran of uh, of the business, not only as an actor, but as a producer uh, of many a film. And I think that if it tanks, then it will negatively affect the whole thing. People love Top Gun for what it was and what it is. People absolutely adored Top Gun Maverick. You get a third one and it stinks, that all goes away because people only remember the how how powerful the series is collectively like think of your favorite movies and then the sequel came and you're like Ugh. like there's ones that we can forgive like straight to video like little mermaid to cinderella two, yeah, those don't count. lion king three like those can go away right but when they release in theater with such a big deal and such a big hype and they're like this is the next part of the story and you mess it up it's critical is a critical blow so I vote no. I vote that Tom Cruise is happy to entertain that for the rest of his life, but I vote that they will not do a Top Gun 3. Yeah, I struggle with this one. And it's funny because I'm usually the one who's like, don't touch it, leave it alone. So I'm like kind of fighting that internal conflict right here. But like I I could almost see it working. If they just... They remove Tom Cruise from the equation because, right, he's like, he's ridden off into the Tuscan sunset. You know, he's he's out of here. And they go with Rooster and they do a straight up, they just James Cameron it. You know, they just make it a war movie. They, they don't mm-hmm. worry about the ties to the previous two films outside of some character ties, etc. And they just go straight war movie fighter jets you know, lean into that plot out, you know, kind of leave the Top Gun school. Like you can do the Top Gun school stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it would be hard to find the balance, but I can, I can almost see a vision there for doing it, but you're right. I mean, it is risky. It's ultra risky. And the reason that Maverick has been as successful as it has, I mean, I think the a plurality of people who saw the movie in theaters were, about like 50 and over. <laughs> so yes. it, it won because it was able to capture the interest of that audience by tying back to the original. But it's also winning over newer audiences because of the modern flair, the visuals, the story, which is excellent, the action, which is excellent. So it's like, if you take away the ties to the original, almost all together by removing Tom Cruise and moving forward with this new guard, does it have the same punch? And I don't know if I know the answer to that question. I I, I feel like I feel okay. like it could work, but I just don't know. It's okay. I've got the plot. Here's what happens. You see, we never saw Iceman's family really. So Iceman's son is actually also in the military, but he's not a he's not a flyer. He's not a pilot, right? And he somehow ends up in some foreign nation as like an IT guy, and his entire command gets like bombarded, and he's lost in the woods. And so he somehow has a note in his pocket with a phone number or a code, a dispatch, a radio frequency, where okay. he takes it back. It goes to Top Gun specifically, and Rooster. Hank Man and Bob are the ones that are still like rolling deep and they're like, yeah. we've got this. And they fly into enemy territory and they scoop Iceman's son out. And I think Hangman dies in that, unfortunately. And I think that's the story. There it is right there. We can't, you can't have Bob without Phoenix. I think they're a package deal. We got to have them both. But okay, get Phoenix in It's there. a search and rescue is what you're saying. It's, it's a, a search and rescue. It's saving for, Private Ryan. 
Yes, yes, but Top Gun style Iceman's son, and Iceman's son does not know how to fly. However, at some point he will be in a position where someone passes out and he has to throw them back in in, in the back of the uh, jet and he has to fly the plane. Yeah. And he has to get narrated how to do it uh, by probably Rooster. Yes. I mean, you wrote that I wrote, in I wrote it. I 30 wrote it seconds and that's pretty yeah. good. So I'm just thinking like if they have a couple years to cook something up, they could come up with like a version of that that is like plot hole free and then we're just we're going the good news is that this is recorded this yes. is copyrighted that if any of that comes to fruition <laughs> um <laughs> we will be billionaires what? a and b um it's also an offer to tom cruise so it tom, is. i know you're listening to this or uh miles he watches you're a everything. regular listener yes yes, <laughs> yes he watches everything it's uh That's it. You know, I, I'm not sure you're exactly 100% correct on the legal protections there, but I mean, we'll mm-hmm, fight it. Mm-hmm. We'll fight. We'll fight hard. Um, so yes. I, I agree. I'm glad that you put it into the universe so that we can strike while the iron's hot. But Top Perfect. Gun 3, it could be coming. Sounds like Kirk is is out. I am potentially in. I am potentially in, and I, nobody is more surprised to hear that than I am. Okay, let's shift gears to Marvel because there's a lot of Marvel stuff happening right now on the heels of Thor Love and Thunder, um, on the heels of we've got the Miss Marvel finale this week on Wednesday. Um, We got a couple stories about general Marvel news. We've got uh, a story about an upcoming film and then a story about an upcoming series. So we're going to start with the film news, which is that Captain America 4 which I don't, it, it's, it's almost certainly not going to be called Captain America 4 because they didn't call the second one 2 and third one 3, <laughs> but that's the working title for now. Captain America 4 is on the way, which we already knew, but they have found their director, and the director's name is Julius Ona, who has a very limited um, resume of films. This is sort of becoming a new trend for Marvel. They, they had a, a run there where they were choosing directors who had like one big hit like Nia DaCosta and uh, Ryan Coogler and and a few of the directors of that ilk Um, but now they're they're almost even going more niche than that like um, I can't remember the person that they hired to direct oh man what film was it They they had a movie recently where they hired a director where there was like almost no background there except for like one movie um but i can't remember which maybe it was it was blade it was blade that was the one where it's like very limited resume this is the same thing um julius ona's claim to fame really is the cloverfield paradox i feel like that's the most mainstream one that people will know which was i believe it was released straight to netflix and didn't get a theatrical run and it is it is a cloverfield franchise film um, but I have never seen it actually Uh, Mm -hmm. so that's egg on my face I have seen the first Cloverfield and uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane and I like both of those movies but I haven't seen the Cloverfield Paradox so I'll have to check that out the other film that he directed um, is I can't I don't know if it's Lucci or Loose or whatever but it is uh, like Naomi Watts and Octavia Spencer and, and Tim Roth and a few others who are in that film. But like I said, like those are the two big ones. The rest of them are all shorts, so this is a this is a new name. But this will be the first Captain America film to star 
Anthony Mackie as Captain America in the role. Kirk, how are you feeling about this movie and the decision to go with the director um, with a with a pretty limited background, though they've done it a couple times before? Yeah, I feel confident about it for sure. I feel really confident that Anthony Mackie is at the helm here. You know, he has done several films as the lead character, just not in Marvel. So he definitely has the the power to ground a film. Uh, He definitely has the power to bring his new flair, as we saw in uh, as flawed as the series was, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But he has the definite chops to play Captain America in a full-fledged film. The director, I think it's the best bet. You think of, like... Let's think, let's call Mark Hamill, right? Like he was an unknown essentially when he joined Star Wars. It's very similar. You throw an unknown into it, you put the pressure on him and a diamond pops out. So I think that's what's going to happen similarly here with this director. Yeah. And I think too, like Marvel has gone the route. They, they've been doing a mix lately where like in some ways they're, they're bringing back big directors like Taika returning to Thor, Sam Raimi directing, uh, multiverse of madness etc but then they've got these other newer directors like chloe zhao who of course became an academy award winner before she won but before that like no man land was her first big break um so it's an interesting mix and i don't know like to me i don't feel like the director's are having as much of an impact on the marvel films as the universe is having and the plot lines are having if that's if that makes sense like obviously when you watch sam raimi's doctor strange in the multiverse of madness you can see his flair and it looks great and, and the aesthetic and stuff is all there but in some ways that movie doesn't work as well because the story holds it back which is more of like a michael waldron kevin feige type of issue there and so i feel like for me the Marvel movies only go as far as like Kevin Feige takes them. And yeah, a lot of that is about getting the right people in the chair. But like in some ways I feel like it's good to have a new director because I felt like, I feel like Feige tends to go more hands off with the established Mm -hmm. guys because he kind of said that with Raimi and um, with Taika. And you could definitely tell in Thor Love and Thunder that Taika, it was more hands off with Taika there. And I, I don't know that that's, for the best technically because I felt like with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness the story suffered and the pacing suffered which could have been you know a Raimi thing it could have been Feige but just based on the way he talks about it it could it, it, it could have been more Raimi and then in Thor Love and Thunder it's like the story was good but the they were underutilizing actors the jokes didn't land as well the you know like there were different issues. So I almost feel like it might be better for them to go with people who have smaller resumes so they can be more of a collaborative process. But that is like literally 100% speculation on my part and not based on anything. Or at the front end, be like, hey, listen, Scorsese, I know we finally got you to direct. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Ant-Man 7, and I really want to thank you for being here. I also want to tell you that the vision of the universe is first. And so we want your flair. We want your style. We want you to direct this movie. But we need to navigate you towards what's next as well. So you need that collaboration. That's what's that's what all the arts is about, right? And in, in, in theater and in uh, any kind of art creation, and especially in cinema. If you don't have the collaboration, it falls apart and movies don't reach their best expectation. Don't short stops, you know, someone and, and you know, short circuit them and take out their 
creativity or their uh, their uniqueness, but you also need someone's vision to say, hey, listen, your stuff is good, but yeah. it can be great and let it be great. I agree. I feel like Feige, like my read on the whole situation, just like listening to the commentaries and the behind the scenes and, and the way people talk about things, like it feels like through the first three phases, Feige was so much more hands-on and now it's like there are so many things happening that he and like he's producing a star wars movie and he's working on all these different things there's all these shows he has to be slightly more hands-off um and i mean i think there's there's more conversation to be had there on if that's the right thing or not because there's a period of time there where every marvel film banger 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 right in a row like like they were not missing for a good couple of years there, just flat out not missing. Um, so I don't know. It's we'll see. But I'm excited for the Anthony Mackie era as as Captain America. Like I I loved Chris Evans Captain America, but Anthony like without a doubt absolutely loved it. Um, Anthony Mackie can bring it. I I think the world is going to find out what this dude's about. He's he's already a big star, but I think he's going to be a mega star um, for sure he's that good and there's a big there's gonna be a big jump right uh between disney plus series oh yeah uh, captain america anthony mackie and film cinematic oh yes mcu like there has to be an like there's gonna be upgrades there's gonna be like a uh, like a swagger that he knows the weight that he carries he already oh, yeah. does but he's not gonna feel as nervous about it because he's already been doing it by the time we see him hit the screen so it's gonna be it's gonna be really strong i'm really excited me too me too all right let's talk about another disney plus series which had some really interesting news come out this week and that series is echo we've heard about it We've met Echo, Miss Maya Lopez, in the uh, Hawkeye series, which was a nice, pleasant surprise. Really cool character. One of the newer Marvel characters and one that has a really rich backstory that ties in, obviously, very heavily to the Kingpin, as we learned in Hawkeye, um, but also to the rest of the Defenders and kind of one of those smaller scale, down-to-earth, friendly neighborhood type of superheroes in a way, kind of like the New York locale of superhero. Um, so Maya Lopez makes for a really interesting case. Well, we know she's getting her own show, but what we learned from the Hollywood Porter, Hollywood reporter this week and Boris Kitt, who is always doing amazing reporting work. Um, Charlie Cox is going to be, re- be reprising his role yet again in that series, as well as Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin who last we saw was getting shot point blank in broad daylight <laughs> um, by Maya Lopez I believe two shots were fired at the Kingpin. And, you know, so the question is, are these flashbacks? Is he going to be alive? I think if you ask me and Kirk, he's alive. Kirk, yes. do you agree? Definitely Absolutely alive. alive. You, you don't kill the Kingpin like that. But what's really interesting is there was another story, um, also from The Hollywood Reporter. Well, it's in the same story, that Kristen Ritter may be involved here because one of the plot lines is meant to be that daredevil is looking for one of his former compatriots that person being miss jessica jones and if they're bringing back charlie cox and they're bringing back vincent d'onofrio you can bet that jessica jones would be played by none other than Kristen ritter and more evidence to that fact is that 
Marvel and Disney Plus have changed the name of the series Jessica Jones on Disney Plus to be called AKA Jessica Jones. If you go look at it now, what? the series is called AKA Jessica Jones on the title card. Um, so it could be leaning that way. Kirk, how are we feeling about wow. all these all these news stories here? I am feeling so happy because I felt like long ago at, you know, as the MCU was warming up and I was like, why, why is Netflix allowed to do this Daredevil series? But I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. it's strange, but I love it. I, I like, we, you know, that was, uh, that was one that dropped when those seasons hit, it was boom, you get all of them. It was a, the, the OG Netflix, um, formula for, for releasing content. And I absolutely ate it up. I was devastated. Uh, completely every time that the season ended that I finished it within one weekend and I'm super pumped about this I loved almost all of the series uh, you know you know take away Iron Iron Fist I don't think we have to worry about that coming back into the MCU anytime <laughs> soon but this team up was perfect the, their their series were strong uh, they had their missteps but the, like overall like there was nothing wrong with them and brilliant that the characters and the actors especially are still excited to come back to this um i know charlie cox has just been just been itching to come to the the big screen on this and i'm so excited that this is the next step and i want him on the silver screen as well because he deserves it yeah i think that's definitely coming i think they're planting the seeds because daredevil is the kind of hero that can hold a solo film i mean they've given solo films to much smaller heroes already um, yes and they will continue to do so as the MCU grows and expands. But when you think about the Defenders, you know, all those Netflix series, the two that stand out, the, the two standout performers, I think almost unanimously, are Charlie Cox and Kristen Ritter. Like, Jessica Jones, I don't think was as good a show as Daredevil, but that season one of Jessica Jones was awesome, must-watch TV, and she is great in that role. So I will be... I think they're putting themselves in an interesting predicament as it relates to Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Punisher, etc. Like, will John Bernthal return as the Punisher, um, etc. There's almost no way in the world that Iron Fist returns as is because I know that that was a miserable experience for the people who worked on that series. But right. I'm just interested, like, how are they going to explain who comes back and who doesn't? Yeah, I also think that um, maybe maybe Finn Jones' uh, Iron Fist has just been killed, and like kind of like in What If, how <laughs> Tony Stark dies in every single yeah, universe. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's gonna be Iron Fist. Like he'll appear momentarily, and someone will just off him. Just it'll be like it'll that. be it'll be Wanda. It'll be Wanda. <laughs> like, like the no! Scarlet Witch just shows up and shreds him into pieces, <laughs> like makes him explode. Uh, yes. Yeah, they'll 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 come up with something, but there's no way that guy is coming back so no no we'll, chance we'll see what happens but echo is already sounding like a, a really good time so hopefully it lives up to the hype okay last marvel thing and then we'll do a couple quick hitters and we'll get out of here and the big news is marvel is returning to san diego comic-con this year marvel is returning and if you'll remember, the last time they were there was 2019, and they appeared in Hall H for what was, you know, what is now a, a historic presentation, a panel for the ages, where they rolled out all of Phase Four, put it on the screen. They were bringing actors onto the stage; people were losing their minds. Natalie Portman holding Mjolnir, Mahershala Ali as Blade. I mean, people were absolutely losing their marbles 
over this stuff and they are set to take the stage again three years later on Saturday, July 23rd. Happy anniversary, Kirk. Happy anniversary to me and my <laughs> so wife. Yes, you'll, be, you'll be occupied <laughs> having <laughs> dinner or something like that. And I will be feverishly typing up the updates for Discord and Twitter. <laughs> but Marvel's coming back. They're calling it a mega panel. You know, the people who are hyping up the event, they're like, Marvel will have a mega panel in Hall H uh, on July 23rd. Kirk, what do you have to see from this panel? What's well, like, oh. if you have a wish list, okay? If you have a wish list of things, like, what is it that you want more than anything? Oh my goodness. I, I don't I don't even know how to answer that question. So uh. here's how I'll phrase it. It can be a new project that nobody's heard of at all. We haven't heard, okay. we haven't, there's not even been a whisper of it. You know, something like a, I don't know, like a Namor <laughs> movie yeah. or Adam Warlock movie or something like that. Or it could be casting announcements for projects okay. that we have yet to hear about. Yeah, I would say that I have been going through my dad's old comic books and reading tons and tons and tons more about different Marvel characters, villains and heroes and all the in-betweens. And one character that is very much, I feel, could be very relevant in today's world brought back from the world of comics, uh, even from the, the Silver Age and Golden Age, is the character Sentry. And the character Sentry, Sentry. this, this story is so cool. So Sentry starts out as this, um, he's a drug addict, right? And then he accidentally gets um, allowed these powers. He he takes an injection of what he thinks is a drug, which technically it is. And then he has this dichotomy of, of, uh, I need this to, to survive, but I want to stay sober. And then there's like this evil void that, that enters him and that he has to fight off. And and then that entity goes away. Like, I feel like there is a really fantastic storytelling there as we get into, uh, as we began in phase four, and it's kind of trickled away a little bit, but as we began in phase four with, uh, with like WandaVision and even Falcon, the winter soldier, and even Shang-Chi, we, we found some very heavy, um, current event topics that were yes. attacked. And I feel like this one is also just right up Marvel's alley. So Sentry is at the top of my list, which would be, I don't know how far-fetched, I don't know if it could be a standalone right away, but introducing Sentry as a character, I think would be incredible in phase five. I don't think it's that far-fetched. I think, here's the thing, Sentry, there are some great Sentry stories out there. I have a Sentry trade that's like the most well-known century run and it's fantastic fabulous i love it yeah. but i think like when where it becomes difficult to see a place for it is in the lens of the multiverse and everything that they're cooking up like in some ways there is like there's clear line of sight to x-men and fantastic four mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh secret wars and dr doom and kang and like all these things that they're sort of laying the path out for like there is very much clear line of sight to that whereas with a character like Sentry, there is less so, but it is a it is a great character, a really well written character with a good backstory who could be really cool. Um, so I, I mean, I don't think it's impossible. We've seen them do like I didn't think Blade was coming back. I didn't think Blade right. was coming back anytime soon. I didn't think that you know, I don't know Namor. I, di- I didn't know that we were going to get a Namor. You know, he's he's rumored to appear in uh, Wakanda Forever. 
So and more specifically with Sentry, I mean, he is a blonde superhero. Wink, wink. Not enough of that. He, <laughs> he is, uh, you know, a, a very handsome feller. Wink, wink. Um, and I feel like I would look great in yellow oh, and blue. Um, I think that this is the time to uh, to really let me step Kirk's into the MCU. Plugging, plugging himself yeah. into the MCU. Well, I mean, listen, Kirk. They make enough movies. You're going to get a call. It's just it's just a matter of time. Like the the rate that they're cranking things out, they're running out of people. It's just going to become yeah. a numbers game at some point. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't mean to brag, but uh, I may have uh, sent out a tweet that was very much like uh, Simu Liu's. Simu, so, gosh, now I'm gonna die. Simu Liu, yeah. Yes, his tweet that got him his role, and I uh, sent it directly to Marvel. Was it about Sentry? About Sentry, yeah. I even <laughs> threw, I even threw Hyperion in there. Why not? Let's Why? go. Yeah, let's I'll get weird, anything. right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need a you need a Superman more than ever. Right now is the time to hit when DC oh, is down in Superman. So. I just want to say that it's been a good 199 episodes. I don't know where. I'm going to cut your mic. I'm going to cut your mic. All right. And and now for my for my wish list, it's well, I'm not going to choose two things that that's cheating because that's cheating. But I think number one, and I almost don't want to say this because I think we will get it. But I have to walk away with fantastic forecasting. I have to. I have to. Mm -hmm. I I have like if if we leave that panel on saturday july 23rd without knowing who are playing the fantastic four and potentially dr doom i would love that as well then i don't know i I don't know how i can continue to go on like i have to know i have to know who who the four people are i would love to have the director announcement i understand that john watts like that whole departure probably wasn't planned so maybe they're just not there yet but for sure have to have the casting have to Mm -hmm. um you know, my, my second one, if I can sneak it in, would be something related to the X-Men. But Fantastic Four is 1,000% the top of my list. I hear that. I mean, I went more obscure, but whatever. No big deal. I know. I, I, I took the easy one, but I, I do feel like we have to have it. I, I need to know. I need to know. Like, like is John Krasinski, uh, mis- like, Mr. Fantastic, is Emily Blunt the Invisible Woman? Like, I have to know these things now. I have to know. Will Chris yeah. Evans return to play the Multiverse Human Torch? I I have to know Dude. these things. Like, I need to know now. I need to. He says he's game for it because yeah, that would it would be, be awesome. So great, absolutely so incredible. He ha- if they do Secret Wars, they're one thousand percent doing that. Oh yeah. If they do Secret Wars and it's like all these multiverse mashup and they do a another Avengers Assemble and it's like. Let's call in, like, they'll bring in Jessica Alba. They'll do the whole freaking thing, man. You know they will, and it will be amazing. They will, because they'll pay them buku bucks, and who of those would not want redemption, at the, especially right? the Fantastic Four actors, redemption at those characters? Exactly. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited, but I hope that that's what it is. All right. Let's get off of that train. We're running out of time. Let's do some final thoughts, Some quick, some quick hitters here. One... Uh, and then we do have some trailer reaction. I do want to do some trailer reaction here at the end. Um, but quick hitters, real quick, is that one, Michael Mann, according to Empire, wants to make Heat 2, like a sequel to the movie Heat. Yes or no, Kirk? I've never seen the first one all the way through. It's been a TNT watch <laughs> watch through, like piece by piece, you know, <laughs> yeah. catch a couple minutes here, yeah. catch an hour here, you know. Um, so I would say... Nah, not necessary. Yeah, I just watched the first one. 
I loved it. I think let's leave it. I think Michael Mann is great. I'm sure if he wants to do Heat 2, he has a plan for it. But uh, I'm, on this one, I'm leaning towards let's leave it alone. Next one, uh, Avatar The Way of Water, according to Empire, is reportedly, the current cut is reportedly three hours long, which shouldn't come as a surprise, Kirk, because no. the first one is three hours long. And James Cameron, if you want to tell him that it's too long, he'll have some choice words for you because he has the time. Let me tell you, he is he is taking no prisoners right now, just firing out pot shots left and right at people who are who are coming for that for for him. But uh, what's your reaction to the current cut being three hours long? Do you think it stays that way? Do you think that's good or bad? I think it's not shocking at all. And I also think the more I sit on this, the more I sit on Avatar sequels. I don't know about three, four, and five, but I think that James Cameron has a lot to prove with his storytelling. I agree. With Avatar 2, and I think that he is pumping everything he can into it. Um, we have the, the returning actors who have won so many accolades since or some before, but particularly Sam Worthington is far better than he was when we found him in Avatar 1, Agreed. which is probably one of the biggest issues with that movie is that his acting was just just poor poor performance and i mean ever since hacksaw ridge hit and on the man doesn't miss so i feel like james cameron will not allow avatar 2 to to, to falter i feel like three hours is just the beginning i think we're going to get like three hours and 20 minutes uh, all together here it could be i agree with you i think james cameron's going to hit it out of the park i think he's going to do everything in his power to make this a good movie and the first one builds a great world it just doesn't have a very compelling story, and it's and because of that, three hours feels excruciating. But this one looks more action-packed. It's probably going to have a better story because he's going to tighten up the screws. You know, he's obviously very sensitive about it because he's clapping back at everybody who's coming for him. So I'm inclined to believe that it's going to be good. James Cameron is a genius. Let's not lose that in this. Like the dude Correct. is a is a cinematic genius. He's done some amazing things. Like. People have recency bias, and they're like, James Cameron, he's washed. The dude is not washed. He he is, a, he is a genius, so I have all the faith in him to turn it around and turn in something that's epic. Okay, last one. We've been talking about Mickey 7 casting. That's Bong Joon-ho's next film with Robert Pattinson. Um, according to Deadline, joining a cast of Robert Pattinson, Naomi Aki, Mark Ruffalo, and Tony Collette is now Steven Yeun. Steven Yeun, Academy Award nominee for Minari. Your thoughts? Yes, I think it's brilliant. I want to see him in every single movie that comes out these days because he has such a good passion, uh, like a fire in his eyes. Yes. uh, where, Where the way he approaches characters. And I think this is great. I mean, I don't understand the premise of the movie, why it would be about like Mickey Mouse and his friends, like Mickey Seven. That that part I'm lost on. So I don't know why Bong Joon-ho would want a, a Disney spinoff. That's yeah. Uh, it's it's not, strange to me. It's not at all what it is. No, no, so, it is. Because it's right there. Mickey seven. Like, it is. It's in Mickey, the name. I can see how you, how you got goofy. there. It's the whole gang, man. It's, it's them right there. Pluto, it's a twisted, you know, they're dark all there world. I mean, it's going to be like the, it's like, it's like Mickey Mouse and his friends. Mickey Mouse is called yeah. in the upside down. That's what it it's, is. Yeah, it could be. It could be. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I have read the book. I don't remember exactly how. I don't remember that going down, but who knows? It, it could mm-hmm. get weird. It's Bong. It's Bong Juno. We know it's going to get weird in yeah. all of the best ways. Okay. We don't have time to show the trailers, but we got two big trailers this last week, including 
David O. Russell's Amsterdam, which we've been hearing tons about, starring John David Washington, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. Robert De Niro, Rami Malek, Anya Taylor-Joy, Taylor Swift, everyone who has ever acted is in this film. The other film is The Woman King, starring Academy Award winner Viola Davis, one of the greatest of all time, one of the goats, as well as John Boyega, Lashana Lynch, Kirk. You've watched both trailers. Give me a quick, quick thoughts on both of them. Um, it, no, quick question. I'll yes. counter with you. Uh, is Amsterdam also loose? Well, I think Woman King is is heavily like related to real, real true story. Is Amsterdam related to a true story? Yes. Yes, gotcha. I think it's I think it's similar to American Hustle in that way. Okay, cool. Um, for me, for me, I lean more towards Amsterdam because like the Amazonian world, much like the Viking world, it's not something that I'm interested in, uh, right? So it could turn me though, because I saw, I went into Northmen thinking that I would hate it. Yeah. And so there's a chance, there's an open door for me to to know that there's a possibility with Viola Davis and the creative team that, that it could be good. But I'm leaning toward Amsterdam is gonna be my stronger choice here. It looks absolutely electric. Yeah, I think, I think both trailers I'm excited about. Um, Amsterdam looks great. It, it, it certainly looks very David O. Russell, but if you didn't know who David O. Russell was, um, which for the record, he directed The Fighter, uh, Silver Linings Playbook, Joy, American Hustle, many others. But if you didn't know who that person was, you would look at this film and say, it's like, it's like a Chris Nolan film and a Wes Anderson film had a baby. And based on that description, I would always be in because that sounds fantastic in many ways. Like at first you would be like, that does not work. But then whenever you see this, you're like, actually, yes, that's, that is an accurate description and it totally does work. Um, So I'm very excited. Most excited, um, exciting part for me out of that trailer is Margot's character. I think Mm -hmm. she really still has such a small list of credits and such a small resume. She hasn't, even though she's one of the, one of the best in the biz right now and has turned in a bunch of like really transformative performances like I, Tanya and her Harley Quinn performance um, and a couple of really understated but great performances like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Wolf of Wall Street. She hasn't had a chance to just really like build a character that's not like a bombastic, crazy transformative role and to kind of like play a character that's closer related to herself in terms of appearance, speech, things like that. And it looks like they're really giving her a lot here. And the clips in the trailer looked fantastic. Um, so I'm very excited for that. And then with the woman King, it's Viola. Um, I'm glad John Boyega's back on the screen. It's been a little while. Um, excited to see more Lashana Lynch. who's just absolutely killing it and everything she does. I thought she stole the show in no time to die. I thought she was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. but Viola, like she's she's calling it he's she's calling this performance her magnum opus she like trained uh with weapons and weight training for for months like five days a week for months and got into like the best shape of her life and looks like an absolute beast in this movie and i think you know you watch the trailer and and you go yeah the plot the plot's probably going to be not enough to carry this thing through i don't know like that's just the way that it kind of looks like there's not a ton of plot going on but the action looks sick so like either way i'm there i'm curious if the same trailer cut people 
put that together that did the Northmen? Because you went into Northmen thinking you'd have these big, sweeping, Viking epics yes. like every five minutes, and that was not the case. You had this very character-driven piece, and I feel like that's that's what people that's what draws people in that that kind of you know smoke and mirrors it really does and then if you get like a really well-grounded story behind that which very likely we will especially viola davis wouldn't take this project if it wasn't that i i Uh, tend to agree because she like she also isn't the type of person to pump up a project that's not going to be any good like she takes good roles and like she won't gush about something calling it her mag like i wouldn't expect that from her um she wouldn't gush about something calling it her magnum opus if the movie sucked like Chris Pratt will absolutely do that. He does that all the time. He's like, we've made an awesome film. And then you watch the film and it's like the tomorrow war. And you're like, it's fine. <laughs> or or yes. like it's Jurassic world dominion. And you're like, it's awful. What are you talking about, dude? But Viola Davis is not that person. Like she, she hasn't She'll been just be like, I hope you enjoy it. I yeah, really do. Right. I see her doing that more so than being like, this is the performance of my career. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about it for that reason alone, but, Either way, we got a lot of good stuff coming out. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode or watching if you're on the stream or on YouTube. We are so glad to have you. The next episode of Popcorn for Breakfast will be our 200th episode. So thank you all so much for being a part of the ride. It's impossible for me to even hear that and know that. Like I... It's been, you know, we've been doing this for three years, 200 episodes. That's a lot of recordings. That's a lot of talking. Um, It's been a total blast. We have yet to decide what we're going to do with episode 200, whether it be a movie review or something else, but we're sort of leaning toward doing a state of the MCU discussion because I think that that is sort of a perfect microcosm. Like if you go back through this podcast, I'm sure the one thing you will find we talked about more than anything will be the Marvel cinematic universe, just because those are the times that we live in. And I think coming off of Thor love and thunder, it makes a lot of sense for us to have that conversation. Um, so maybe we'll do that, but either way, thank you guys so much for being a part. We're glad you're here. Um, and we're going to leave you with that. And with our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, we, of course, want to give him a a special thank you, as always, as well as the band Rhetoric, whose music is fading up right now. Take a listen to those guys on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, whatever. And we will see you guys next time. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.